Listen, Chris, I'm ready to record. I don't know about anyone else. April 30th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 156. I'm Chris Remo. It probably is that. That's why I said it. I thought it was 157. It's okay. Uh, I'm Jake Rodkin. Who the hell are you? I'm Sean Vanneman. Oh. You went fast and confident, and I went, man, the opening of this podcast is going to be like just fucking professional and normal. Yeah, but then we'd second guess the, the number, and then you didn't say anything. So don't well, worry. I- situation normal. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> It is 156. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Who's that guy you were telling me about before we started? Oh, man. Recording? I got a friend request. As we were about <laughs> to start recording this, I got a Facebook friend request from Derek Smart, which is the craziest. Like, Jake, you surely know who Derek Smart is. I do Smart know who is. Derek Smart is because we I have no talking idea about this before we recorded. No clue. I, so, Derek Smart is a person who I, like, I wasn't really su- super heavily ingrained in uh gaming community forums like the big ones in the in the, like, in the late 90s either, early 2000s yeah. so i only knew of derek smart like as a legend <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like he was a name that evoked a response but i had no idea who he was uh but i think th- he's Can just you tell me the legend of derek smart he's a confident looking man yeah yeah maybe we right. should put a poll up on the website derek smart is also just like a confident snappy name it's a smart name yeah it's a, Brit- it's a name of a character it's the name of a character that a British author would write. Derek Smart. Derek Smart is in the new Robert Galbraith detective story. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, He's like I this. only knew of Derek Smart from like sidebars and stuff in like PC Gamer and Computer Gaming World magazine because he was such a like combative, well-known figure. Like, you know what I mean? He would get in these like big kind of pu- very public um, – like confrontations and stuff. Right. His thing was that he'd he'd hype up his game. Then it was probably not a good game because it seems like he made four hundred million forex. Well, he made these incredibly complicated games, but like entirely by himself, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I or never something. played a Derek's Market. They I were never, all. I never did either. The community had very mixed feelings about them. Yet continuously was also excited about the next one that was announced. And I heard about all this stuff. And I think that I caught like the his, his company was called Three Thousand AD. Yeah. I, hmm. It it feels like he made the battle cruiser games. Those like and Universal Combat. The, the like the early Derek Smart troll wars were like his uh like the, his like arena shows. It feels like they were like they were legendary. And I <laughs> I showed I showed up in the Derek Smart continuity like I where I had heard about all this stuff and I was like I'm never gonna see a Derek Smart. Uh, trolling, but then I feel like I caught his like you saw him at like a county fair. Yeah, I saw his county fair trolls. <laughs> like, 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 like the Modesto. It feels like when Gaff switched to Neo Gaff and like Sugar Shack was like was had been Shack News for a while, but it was in like the newer design. He oh, would he, just there'd be like a small Derek Smart drive by would happen. I'm like, oh, that's stuff. Well, so here's the thing. So <laughs> so he started making games in the 80s, and then he actually became like it predates even what you're talking about because I think what when I was aware of him was before a lot of those web forums were a big thing it's when he was like a huge presence on usenet which yeah like he was in the early 90s even before his first game came out i think he was or like before his company's first game came out um like he had this vision of creating this like huge epic space thing and i think he was largely known initially for like hyping that up before it actually came out but he was like a huge presence on like early Usenet communities and stuff. So he's like an online only, uh, like a digital first Molyneux. 
Yeah, but he would still get interviews and stuff, I think, in like PC Gamer and CGW and stuff, because I'm pretty sure that's how I knew of him, because I wasn't on those Usenet groups or anything. Well, I hope, he, I hope he listens to Idle Thumbs and that you also confirm the friend request now and then just see what he's up to. He's probably got a Kickstarter. Could be. I mean, I just assume. It was just crazy for <laughs> that to like, assume. that alert popped up on my right. phone as we were about to sit down for this. And it was like a crazy just blast from the past. A 10 year old like time window opened yeah, up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Crazy. No, that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for you, Chris. I hope that I get Thanks. like that my stature in the game development community gets to the point that um, that's, you know, the sort of thing I have to grapple with. Cool. Good. <laughs> Did you guys see they dug up those Atari games? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck! This episode is now bad. <laughs> You're fucking bad. Uh, yeah, I thought I, you had like all kinds of shit to no, say I about that. Whole, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. We don't have to talk about I don't about know it. any other human being who would choose 52 weeks a year to sit in front of a microphone and communicate ostensibly to other humans and then when prompted with a subject that they know about grapple with the idea of addressing it because if you don't address it there is nothing we get to experience this conversation because i just get a look at you fucking like just flame out <laughs> yeah i feel like my but words no, but, but this is, it's just, i feel like my words on the subject so far have spoken volume sean i feel like ugh, okay ugh, okay <laughs> that's the good stuff that people uh, into. okay that's like that's, that's art. The, yeah that's what people like also our air conditioning is on so there's going to be a rumble oh. in this uh podcast we should probably go turn that i'm off. gonna go turn that off real quick yeah, I'll, Here, do Jake, I'll do it you guys go talking. talking okay sean you go do it so okay one thing i want to point out actually about this and i don't know jake i have no idea like why oh, i just i just wasn't expecting to jump straight into digging up et cartridges well, you started because... you started turning into a weirdo about Derek smart I just <laughs> no, no, no. digging up et off. cartridges is like that is just guaranteed if you have a gaming podcast and you say let's talk about the microsoft documentary that dug up the et cartridges you're that's Wait, as Microsoft your, documentary. It was a it's a Microsoft. It's like an Xbox oh, Xbox okay. One TV well, original programming. One of the things they're doing is like okay. a mini a documentary right. series on digging mm-hmm. up the ET cartridges. But if you bring that up at the beginning of your podcast, that's like sixty minutes starting up, and they're just like, and now Andy Rooney, like just you're just <laughs> you're guaranteed to just turn everyone into. It's or, too bad that they. I didn't realize it was part of a, an original series because it's too bad that I know that it happened. Now that's the thing that. Well, you know what I mean? I kind of would have rather just been watching the series and then go, do they actually find these That's things? the thing that makes yeah. me a curmudgeon about this entire thing is that the Atari, or the E.T. cartridges being buried was not a myth. It was not an yeah. urban legend. Was, yeah. There are human beings who buried them. There's reports of this happening. Like you can go to the, on the New York Times website, you can just find the actual New York Times article from like 1986 or whatever, whenever the hell it was, 94, about the Atari landfill dump. Right. Like, it's just a little, like, two-paragraph blurb that's just like, anyway, Atari dumped a bunch of shit in the desert. Right. Today or yesterday. But it's, like, a real landfill, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't just, like, they didn't just drive out to, like... No, it's not like Breaking Bad shit where there's three guys went yeah, out to the, the desert. The, the way the story is always told, it sounds like they basically, like, let go of a... Like, got rid of a body. Yeah. Right. No, I think it's just this landfill is put there. But, I mean... I heard, I did hear a bunch of other stuff on top over the years about the ET stuff where it's like people never get them because they then paved over the landfill and put a shopping mall there and there's, you know, or whatever. But I think from all the photos, it looks like the actual thing that was the boring thing that was the truth before any of the legends got built on top of it, which is just people didn't buy the game. So they put them in a, in the trash, in in the trash. (laughs) I mean, effectively, that's just what happened. That is the story, right? Yeah, and the other thing that really bothered me... It's a hard segment to produce. Maybe this is what they'll reveal in the documentary, which is what are they going to do now that they picked up a bunch of garbage and took photos of it? (laughs) Because the pictures that were on Twitter, it was just Atari games covered in and filled with mud. They just had dirt on them. But, like, are are they going to... I mean, the story is probably what was it like to have to make this really shitty game in bad circumstances and then come out and get thrown into a landfill. I know, I know. But I mean... This emotional experience of somebody... Literally, what do you do? Already, I've already seen a lot of writing about that, like yeah, with yeah, interviews I mean, with the guy ends up. But I mean, that was just still, that still a good f- bit. Yeah, 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 yeah good sure. Bit. You could yeah, do a, you could do a good documentary about it. Yeah, sure. I mean the the thing that's yeah. What 
I just don't know. Like, there's also a whole generation probably who are like the people who are actually like targeted for this Xbox One original content who have no idea about I'm the sure. story. I mean, I'm you sure know, will, we're yeah. kind of sure old yep, yep, privileged yep, with that yep. information. Yep. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I don't know. I. It's uh. You got more on this? Yeah, there's a couple things actually. Okay. Um, well, no, seriously <laughs> though, I I. I am curious as to what the heck does happen to all of this, to all of the stuff they dug up, whether or not it is just immediately turned around and put back into the same landfill, which would totally crack me up. <laughs> because, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess you could sell all this stuff on eBay, but it's like mud covered Atari yeah, game. But then those people gross. are then inevitably, it's just putting another five year postponement on those games being thrown into the garbage again. <laughs> um, but and that's the thing is like, it is garbage. They will now yes. just be and, distributed to landfills all over the right, world. Exactly. We're just gonna, we're gonna just sort of raise the aggregate landfill level instead of this one, which is now mm-hmm. lowered. But the, the thing that um the thing that I thought was kind of cool and I wish that I could I had the link for it but because ET for the Atari 2600 came back up into conversation because of this there were a few articles where people were saying like oh this game actually did some interesting stuff that uh like people started looking at ET again and, and um there was an article that I read that I thought was interesting that was called fixing ET and it was someone pro- uh who a couple people had provided hex edits you could do to your copy of the et game they would fix a couple of critical shitty issues and then they argued this game might actually be really enjoyable and it was talking about how it's uh unlike a lot of atari games et is a game that has a title screen has a linear series of, of objectives that you have to complete and has an end and that was unlike anything else on the platform and it has um i don't know i talked about a bunch of things in it but then it, it said the, the problems that people have in it are that it's inscrutable and really impossible to play and one of the and the number one complaint that they that they cite was you fall into a well all the time uh and it's because whenever there's a circle (laughs) on the screen if et if any pixel of et touches it, he falls in even though the game is drawn like a zelda game where you'd expect if his feet touch it they fall in but they're like okay if you just type in this random hex it fixes that um another issue is that et is the wrong color (laughs) so if you so (laughs) it is though i've heard that criticism so they had a hex fix so you can make et's sprite the right color but they're like if you just patch in these few things this game actually becomes measurably more enjoyable and you might actually be able to play it i don't know if that's a defense of it being a great game but they were they were arguing it is definitely not the worst game and probably didn't deserve to be uh thrown into nothing anyone ever calls the worst thing is ever actually the worst thing that game like it's the poster child for the yeah video console crash crash for Yep. It's the one that's filled in landfills and stuff, and it was yep. it was like they were sort of saying this game would probably be way less inscrutable had it, people experienced linear Nintendo games and experienced Zelda, and also if the game would have, was made in more than a few weeks. But seeing that, like that, I want that to be in the documentary, but it's probably just going to be a bunch of like gloved government hands pulling muddy copies of Elliot's face out of the trash. Um, anyway, ET thing. This the guy who made that game, Howard Warshaw, was I remember seeing a thing one time about how Spielberg picked him, like hand picked him to design this game because he's the guy who designed Yar's Revenge and the uh Raiders of the Lost Ark game, which was like the first movie license game ever. Right. And I remember seeing this thing with Spielberg and he's like, Howard is like the most brilliant video game designer who's ever lived. Like no one else can make the E. T. Like game. Uh and like <laughs> Uh, and then I, and then it was the game. Then it was that fucking game. It sounds like the, the circumstances making that game were just oh, I'm sure disastrous. Exa- yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, Heroes Revenge is fast. cool. I'm sure that Raiders game is fine. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I don't know. Et game. It's pff, seeing the hands pulling up the Et cartridges, like seeing all the photos of Et being mm-hmm. pulled out of the landfill. I have this is. A, I don't know how to fully explain this, so I'm just going to say it and, and it will not entirely make sense. But seeing the hands pull the ET cartridges out of the landfill, I had a very similar feeling of interest, of like vague interest in the back of my head. But but that was in the in the very back relative to just sort of apathy and frustration that I had when today that photo of the Star Wars Episode Seven cast at the roundtable came out. So I was like, <laughs> I don't care about this anymore. This is like we – this is – okay – there's no story here. Oh, it's that guy from Harry Potter. But now there's a now there's but at the same time the tiny like scratch in the back of my brain it's like that's the Skywalker. It's like oh, fuck off. Fuck off <laughs> child like voice that is that's still like cuz I went through a, a minute where I thought it was really cool that there were that all the ET cartridges were buried and like it was, you know, it's right, such right, an evocative right. image but now it's like why are you shut up? And I can't tell what, I think what those inter- two voices I think, are. 
I think I'm I'm bullish on the Star Wars stuff now. Like I've had such a cool down and such a just like ugh, 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 for so really long care. that now I'm just like, oh, if three entertaining films come out and aren't like and with this cast, then I'll maybe I'll be happy. Good. I don't but I mean I'll be I know that between now and then I will be bombarded. Yeah, you're saying that now and then you'll see fifteen trailers and like eight thousand Pepsi cans yeah. and whatever else and just go, oh, I just, and, I you just know what though? It's not even don't. those things because those things have been around since you and I were kids. It's gonna be the forms of marketing this particular film that we haven't thought of yet that I am afraid of. <laughs> when that Star Wars like hollow violator shows up on your favorite website. Exactly. <laughs> when a low poly ghost of Mace Windu appears over the New York Times article you're trying to read. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. <laughs> but something, yes. That plus the casting thing feels like such non-news to me. Like, obviously, it's but people news. care. I'm not, I'm not saying it's more news. Than I'm not that. saying. I'm not saying people don't care. I'm just saying, in terms of like, I just it's so irrelevant to what the quality of the movie is going to be. Like, it just has nothing to do with it. Like, I don't they know could, if I agree with it. They could pick totally different people, and if it's a good movie, they're going to make a good movie. And if they're going to make a bad movie, they're going to make a bad. Unless I don't they, think I agree. Unless with you. they botch it beyond belief. Him. Because I was in high school, and I was super excited. That Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor and Samuel L. Jackson though. were bad casting. Huh? I thought that was bad casting, though. There was no context for the casting at that time. I mean, the script was bad and the story was bad. But I think ninety five percent of a good all movie that we knew was casting. Ewan McGregor is going to be what? playing a young, a young I, version I of, of Obi Wan Kenobi, that. and you're like that could or at least work. Have good direction. And you're, is Natalie Portman will be playing a princess character? Fine, that could work. And Samuel L. Jackson's playing a Jedi, and you're like, oh, cool. All those people have been in yeah. great movies in the last four years. It means nothing. No, I mean, obviously the story has to be good. The script has to be good. Yeah. Star Wars has three to four questionable films right now in a row. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't care at all. If it turns out that it comes out and people think it's great, then fine. Otherwise, I just, I'm not. But yeah, it was, it was. For me, though, it'll be like, I'm, I'm putting it up there with like, I'm like, I was way more into Star Wars than I was into Star Trek. But like. I liked going to the first Star Trek film that came out that J.J. Abrams did. I thought it was fine. I, I, I liked I liked sitting there I and watching it, was good. it, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I I've come yeah. down on it a lot since I saw it. I just I don't expect I don't want much out of these. Just don't offend me. Is kind of where I'm at. <laughs> like just don't. Yeah, like, I would feel that way if it weren't the thing that is going to just dominate all channels of everything for years. You know what I mean? Like that's how I feel about a lot of movies. Like cool. Like come out fun thing. Like. Great. If it's a thing that's up my alley stylistically, then like, I'll just, yeah. like whatever. Um, but like, th- these are going to be such unstoppable juggernauts, but beyond any fucking like known scale, it's going to be in- it's going to be nuts. It's going to be so inescapable. I guess for me, that Star Wars image and the ET image evoking similar thoughts probably bodes well for my expectations and attention paid to star wars because in the case of et it was literally a thing from my childhood that was dug up and i went oh that's interesting <laughs> i guess i mean like i'm interested right. to see the image yeah. of of a dug up et cartridge yeah but i don't care and then seeing all these actors from the 70s it's like okay yeah i don't know maybe i guess for me that means that it's it allows the movie to become actually good and then i get excited but otherwise i will probably surf underneath it i'll fucking see it yeah, I yeah, saw the fourth sure. parts of the Caribbean movie. There was a fo- oh, there was a fourth, <laughs> was a fourth one. one. Oh wow! I only saw the first one. I think they they got worse and worse. And worse. That's what yeah. I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the fourth one. That was uh, the one that was supposed to be based on the book. That was based on the. That was yeah. the. That was the. That oh, was the, oh really? Wait, was that the, the on Stranger event. Tides? Yeah, yeah. It was the, the fourth parts of the Caribbean was on Stranger Tides. Yeah, which is that's that's the the last link of the, which is the book that Monkey Island was inspired by. Yeah, right. Which inspired the films. Yeah. Yeah, I want someone to graph that out. It that feels like a. Stu- I thought somebody did. I don't think anyone did it in a nice enough way that it made it. You to need Kotaku. an infographic. Yeah, I want an infographic. <laughs> I want the writers of the Pirates of the Caribbean movie work. What is that? They were in story development they, meetings for the Monkey Island movie at right. ILM. ILM did the special effects on Pirates of the Caribbean. The fourth Pirates of the Caribbean is on Stranger Tides, which was the inspiration for Monkey Timothy Island. Power's book. Which, yeah, the book on Stranger Tide inspired a lot of the narrative content of Monkey Island, which was also inspired by the ride Pirates of the Caribbean. It's good. Everything about it is the best. It's pretty good. <laughs> also, it's all owned by Disney now. But up. 
postmodernism. <laughs> yeah. God, that's like this has got to be post postmodernism. Speaking of fucking Star Wars, there's these ads for Disney parks now that you see online that are like, "Show your Disney side," and it's like a dad dressing up as Darth Vader, and it's like, "What? Show your Disney side? Go to Disneyland!" Like, it's the weirdest thing to me now that like Star Wars is just like it's like a Disney thing. But like they you had put all that the in princesses the parks for a while. I know they have it in yeah. the park, but that's a different. That's a, I. It's a different thing that like. Now being able to just fully say, right, just, you know, oh, yeah. like yeah. Disney, Disney properties, like just, Star Wars yeah. and Little Mermaid. Right? And like Spider-Man. All right, and Loki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird. God. That stuff is, it, yeah, this is, we're so far afield of video game stuff, but the Marvel Disney are. thing is is also fascinating to me because yeah. Marvel's Marvel existed as its own, like, cross-universe, cross cross-media, Disney-esque things. But So that means... On the East Coast, Universal, I think, owns the rights to Marvel characters and theme parks. And then all of Major's biggest movie licenses are owned by other competing companies. So, I mean, they're they're like like Spider-Man with Marvel specifically. It feels like Disney is a like heavyweight boxer trying to unify the title. They're just going to keep knocking (laughs) people out and just so they can get all the belts (laughs) and just get it all sorted out. It'll take take 20 years. Spider-Man, somebody doesn't need to win the fight. They just need to keep making up Spider-Man. But eventually, eventually, X-Men as well. They've got to go for like the wearing them out thing. Exactly. (laughs) Rope-a-doping them. Because like every fucking whatever, 22 months, it's like, you're going to spend $190 million? All right. Fine. All right. Okay. (laughs) Like, eventually, the amazing Spider-Man will not make its money back unless sony says it's like a weird mania principle thing and they're just like fuck it like let's get <laughs> lars van trier von trier <laughs> like fuck it let's just Sophie make dogma Spider-Man. 95 yeah, spider-man right. yep. film <laughs> fuck it just get it out spend 490 dollars they will eventually package up and release italian spider-man <laughs> Just to keep the license. Oh, that's the one upside of like companies being run by singular billionaires. Is if Disney was still just Walt Disney and Sony was somehow just one guy and they were just like making these decisions. It's like, no, we have to keep putting out a Spider Man film. So it just gets into like, uh, then it just mirrors the story of like of Team Fortress 2, basically, of like the two 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 warring magnates (laughs) who are in fact just self destructing. Yeah. Yeah. You up on Mad Men? I, I am care. up on Mad Men. We're really oh, far. We're far. Been, I've, been, I've been really enjoying Last this night's season. episode was good. I really liked it, yeah. Or this week's episode was good. Yeah. I guess we don't really talk about TV because it's like so spoilery if you haven't been up on it. Yeah. Also because we're a video game podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Nothing is out. No video games are out. Dark Souls 2 came out on I PC. Played, I played Fract. Let's get to that after the break. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to talk about Mad Men. We can talk about it. Not on the podcast. Can I? Okay. What? What do you want? I need to ask you an incriminating question. Okay. Maybe okay. I pay for Mad Men. Yeah, me too. I I don't pirate anything. I I know. I know. I didn't watch the paid version of Mad Men, though. Mm. I watched it from a Plex server of a friend. Okay. It, it, the episode just ended with Don saying, okay, right? And yes. Fucking and then hard went cut. to the, well, then it went to the music. I mean, it played the entire credits. Yeah. Okay. And then the credits. Okay, good. Because it ended with okay. Yeah, and okay I and didn't get the credits. It just bumped me oh, out. Oh, that sucks. Because the, the song choice was so cool. I'm sure it was great. Yeah. It bumped me out. And I was like, I know that was the last moment of the episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I that was a great, that was a great, great, great cut. I thought it was, oh, I want to talk, fuck it. Can we talk about it, please? What about the, about this episode of Mad Men? I want to talk about the end of the episode. I thought it was so good. Yeah. What? What? That's it's just such a spoil. Like talking about that moment in isolation is like such a spoiler. I think. Can we do the timestamp comeback uh, for Mad Men? Why are we doing this? <laughs> Let's <laughs> talk about Mad Men at it. the end of the episode. Let's oh, say you're right. Done, Perfect. And then we can say about Mad Men. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Thank you. Do you want to talk about Frack? Do you want to talk about a video game? Yeah. What's Fract? I, I saw people talking about it on Twitter. And I didn't play it yet. And then I can I can spend three minutes talking about my slow march through A Link Between Worlds because I noticed the thing that I really like that I want to. Why don't mention. you just do that now? Then we'll do the break. Okay, it's the tiniest, tiniest thing, and I hadn't noticed it until I until I I'm finally at what I think is the last boss of the game. Like I, I basically once a week before I go to bed, I'll complete a dungeon in this game. But uh, <laughs> you're like reading Ulysses. Yeah, it's it, it's 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 um 
it is my favorite Zelda game in years and years and years also. Um, it's worth playing for the 3DS. Obviously, I've mentioned it a million times. Zach talked about it. But um, I didn't notice it in the light world in the first half of the game. But now, retroactively, I did. The farther into the game you get, they, the more fleshed out the overworld arrangement gets. But it's not, it's not just that they're layering stuff. It's actually just a completely new arrangement. But they have three, three to four states of every theme. But it means that as Link gets increasingly powerful and obviously as just the stakes get higher because the the possibility space narrows down the music just becomes more bombastic but all of it's live so when you first get into the dark world the dark it's the dark world theme from link to the past but it's just played with simple percussion and an acoustic guitar and now at the end it is like your childhood imagination of a symphonic rendition of it but also my link is now just like dressed to the nines like my master sword mm-hmm. has been like reforged by the guy i've got the different color tunic i've got every mm-hmm. item in the game and it actually was successful at that like i i completed the last main dungeon and then I, my objective was just to get to the castle and fight guys and that quest because that was the like it was this, this huge rendition of the theme and it's only there for on the critical path what is like three minutes of the game but it was the most satisfying like mm-hmm three minutes of of zelda that i've played in a long time nice. that's all and it was just walking that's cool that's all the soundtrack of that game is is really good there's not a whole lot new in it but the arrangements like the choices they made yeah. for taking the old super nintendo songs up is just consistently strong that's awesome it's been weird like starting i guess with either the gamecube smash brothers or super mario galaxy that was like the first time nintendo ever actually did live symphonic stuff which is weird but they've done they've been really tasteful about it like they were they held on through the gamecube years where all the mario games and all the zelda games and stuff was still all like patch based midi stuff i don't know that's my nintendo minute for this episode i guess cool we should play pikmin 3 also people have said stuff about the multiplayer that oh, makes yeah. you think that maybe it's good like it's versus yeah that the versus has uh cool. God, i the, always forget you have a wii u i do have a wii u but I should bring it in. We should play Pikmin 3 because apparently yeah. the versus mode does also have the marble stuff. All right. Cool. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta look at this. We got we to see this. Time. I will value it. It's time. Enough time has passed that. We do want to try and do it before next podcast. Uh, yeah. That's going to be hard, actually, this week. Yeah, it might be tough this week, but we can, we can give it a shot. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. I guess oh, we'll... man. Hmm? I have a I have a observation for Sean. Uh, so we're going on <laughs> okay. a company. We're going on a company like camping trip to Yosemite this weekend. And research company research trip yeah um <laughs> for firewatch and uh, that's how the money was classified <laughs> and it, it, occurs to, it occurs to me that what that means um one of the things that means is that what are we going up on sunday sunday and coming back tuesday night that means Attention that the <laughs> <laughs> fuck that means that the spelunky daily challenge for this coming Monday will be the first Spelunky Daily Challenge since last September that I will be unable to complete. I can't think of a time where you've said I have something to say to you where I got so excited and then was so disappointed at the end of it. Because <laughs> really? I didn't care about the thing that you were going oh, okay. to say to me. I mean, wow. I know everyone else cares, but... It's okay. We'll be talking about I was latest. really excited. I was like, what are we going to talk about? We're talking about the company camping trip? We're going to talk about... So- oh. For people keeping score <laughs> at home, Spelunky. we're going to talk about the latest Dota update after the break. I just wanted you to know, John. I am not. You're not? You said you were going to. There's some cool stuff in it. Let's talk about it. It's a big, big, big uh, patch. Mostly bug fixes. In the lead up. Sweet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Interest waning. Well, it's in, the, it's in the lead up to the international. They're just like totally smoothing out the game experience and a lot of the spectator experience. They're just like going in and fixing all the little things. It's really nice. They really did it right. It's really cool that they did that. I mean, obviously, they kind of have to because it's this like living product. It's about to be on like a world stage. Also, I'm going to the international. What do you oh, think you about? What do you think about to go? I thought you weren't. I went to I went to breakfast with Adrian on Sunday, and he's like, "You gotta come. Let's go. Let's do this." When is it again? Uh, it's July, end of July. So you're gonna like surgical strike the international? I'm gonna go for like a out? day. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna go for a day. The finals are on Monday this year. I found out. So I hope that's public knowledge. It's weird. Um, so I won't be going to the finals. What was I gonna say? Oh, I'll be watching them here though. So, um, I don't know a whole lot about Dota, but when I do watch it with you or Nick, like I occasionally just watch little snippets of stuff. I can mm-hmm. you can you can vaguely follow the overall flow of like who's yeah. doing stuff and who's not. I, have I mean, a story about that actually. You can't 
I have trouble in the in early game, but once things start really moving, you can tell if someone's being brutalized uh, mm-hmm. or not. And then I probably am. I'm surprised by upsets more than you guys are, probably. But oh no, a big upset in Dota is still shocking. My question is: Do you think this international and with the the robustness of the spectating like mm-hmm. experience, do you think someone like me, who is like the most casual fan who knows the gist of how Dota works, would be able to watch and enjoy the international, or do you think that I would need like? How close is Dota getting to being close? At, like, I I will say yes, but you think I it's actually changing. Three in that reasons. Well, yes. Okay. Reason one is I had played like maybe five hours of it, four hours of it, like not very much, maybe five matches before going to the international two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat there and was like, what the fuck is happening? And still had a really good time. Granted, I was there in person. Right. So that's one thing to consider. But I think it's digestible with a, a little bit of knowledge. Um, I actually have four things. Okay. <laughs> Two is I've been watching a lot of live matches. I've been watching, a, sorry, a lot of pro matches lately. And I watch them like on my phone uh-huh. or on my iPad. And I'm around Amelia. And... Amelia, when she watches the game, she's like, what is happening? She's like, I actually like being in earshot of you watching Dota because the announcers have gotten so good that I know what's happening. Like, right. she knows every member of Na'Vi now. She's like, oh, my God. Like, I remember, like, it's like, Na'Vi wins. Like, I was watching one. Like, we were um, at our fam- uh, family's house in Seattle this weekend. And I was watching it on my phone while she was, like, getting ready. And she's like, what? They won? Like, when they like came back in this big swing, so Amelia, she was like, "What? Oh my god!" She's like, "I thought they were getting destroyed." I was Amelia's like, they were getting destroyed. With Dota then probably sounds very close to my relationship with the NFL. Where like I watched, <laughs> I was gonna say my relationship to Murder She Wrote no. because that's <laughs> Amelia watches Murder She Wrote in the other room all the time. And I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> it's definitely the Butler. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I I probably see two Super Bowls out of every three years, and that's almost as much football as I watch. And that's about the same for me. And did you watch this one this year? I watched like it half boring. Of it. Yeah, it was boring. Um, but at some point someone said like, because I still don't entirely know the rules of football because I just, it was not a thing that I played when I was a kid. I just, whatever. Mm-hmm. But someone finally said people basically get four tries to take the push the ball 10 yards. And I was like, Oh, I, I understand enough now. I said that. I don't know. If, it might've been you, but whatever. It was enough that I could pay attention to it. Um, I gave you a gift. Yeah, you did. Um, but yeah, I think you could figure that same thing out. But like, Dota. just those couple that, of sentences. I don't sentences. find that as straightforward for Dota, personally. Well, the thing is, because the, the, the two other things I was going to say yeah. is, one, the documentary is out, mm-hmm. and it's actually just a good watch. We talked about oh, this yeah, in the podcast. Oh, yeah, I need to watch that yet. I, you would, watch that. You would, I don't know if Chris will like it, but you'll like it. <laughs> You'd probably hate it, Chris, but I imagine... He's a little more I like, imagine I could critical. watch free to play at this point, and from watching other people spectate Dota, I could probably have a friend point me to, this is the commentator you should watch, here's a couple interesting well, rounds, thing, and I might have a couple interesting hours thing I was going to say, is that I don't think the commentators have made a concerted effort to bring more people into the fold, but the commentating has gotten... Commentating. The commentating has gotten really crisp and really good. So... They're just fast and accurate and like, mm-hmm. you know, when things are happening and they talk about the early game. So like there's like a 10 minute chunk at the beginning where they're just like picking the heroes mm-hmm. and they're like this guy versus this guy. Who's who's this like who's who's liquid going to pick who's IG going to pick? Why would they pick that? Oh, they banned this character that I think is really all the announcers that beyond the summit seems to employ are all very, very, very good. And those guys are kind of like the premier guys. Like they'll be the ones who are doing most of the international. It's tempting to me to just at least watch a round of the international or, or two. You, it'll be easy for you to do that because I will be nearby and I will want to You'll watch be at it. the international. I'm only going to go for a day, okay. but there's the, they, they start the quals in like three weeks and then they're going to, the international is like five days. I feel like you guys should, Maybe uh, do a little Dota today in the lead up and post international. Yeah, we're we're gonna do it next week because that also, and then we'll probably do one up there. I listen to every episode of Dota today, even though I don't care about Dota. So do that, and then I'll watch an international game. Yeah. The other thing I was gonna say. Oh no, that's all the points I was gonna make. All right. You being interested in it has excited me. Right. It's interesting. It's magical. You guys want to stop for a second and then come back? Yeah. Video game. We'd like to thank a new sponsor, Sherry's Berries. 
they are a like home confection delivery service and you can get like giant chocolate strawberries strawberries yes and they're actually a perfect sponsor for this episode right now because mother's day is coming up and you are probably listening to this podcast on a computer and then you're like f mother's day they just said mother's day is coming up (laughs) it is may 11th for what it's worth i looked that up on the internet so this is a wonderful (laughs) gift for your mom or any mom or any person man or mom (laughs) <laughs> you can go they to, are delicious they a they're box really of these good things showed up at our office last week and we didn't know what it was and we opened it up and it was an ice packed box of like enormous these are berries the size of a monkey's fist yeah of a large like a human fist, fist the size of a human a fist, fist. Small, small fist of a child's fist they're really of large a tween's fist <laughs> There's like some sort of like fist of tween. Yeah, they 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 have a, a berry sorting system, and they only get berries the size of cherries, berries, chocolate dipped berries sized to fist of tween. They're huge. They're, they're huge. Just, they're like a dachshund skull. Okay, what are we doing? <laughs> they're really big. They're really delicious. They were they were like chocolate, white chocolate, various drips. They had ones with dipped. chocolate chips encrusted on them. Yeah. Yeah. It was Oof. it was intense. Yeah. It was really intense. They're really good. And so you can have them sent to your mom because you're not a thumbs or listener. Yourself. They are yourself. Let's <laughs> send them to mom in the like two person, but just send them to your address. So when they show up, you can be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, these are these are gifts. And then just eat twelve of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In so this case, mom <laughs> stands for me, dot 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 or me. me. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing you're going to want to do is go to berries, B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com. And then there's like a little microphone microphone link that says like listening from a radio or something. And you click that, you type in thumbs, and it'll show you a custom version of the website with some deals that you get um, from the Idle Thumbs yeah, podcast. It's like $19.99 for, I think, like a... It's a half dozen for $19.99. And then for... Uh, yeah, which is like 40% more, off, which is pretty great. Yeah. And then but, you add... You, for, you can double that and get a whole dozen for $10 more. And I think the dozen pack is what we were sent. Yeah. Um, anyway, also, they're like, delicious. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> they're delicious. It's crazy. Is not their do- slogan. Like a dozen strawberries doesn't sound like a lot. Maybe but imagine these ten are enormous. dog <laughs> skulls in a box. Yeah, but imagine them a, dipped a in chocolate, and imagine that instead of a skull, it's a, stra- a huge strawberry. They're juicy and succulent. Yeah, that not <laughs> for your mother <laughs> or a mother in your life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's berries b e r r i e s dot com. And use the promo code. Click that uh, microphone. Thumbs. Yep. So thanks, Sherry's Berries. Yeah. Get them for your mom. That's the 90s slogan. Oh, okay. That's not their slogan either. No. Slogan, copyright, idle thumbs. Delicious strawberries, copyright, Sherry's Berries. Bye. Video games. Brave Wave. Can you just give me the URL? Store.bravewave.net. And we'd also like to thank our friends at Brave Wave. You can go to store.bravewave.net. And get 10% off anything with the promo code video games. And because they're friends of the podcast, they will also accept, accept video underscore games. Mm-hmm. Two words. So, so if, if you haven't heard us talk about them before, Brave Wave is they're a music label that does collaborations with video game related composers from Japan as well as the Western world. And uh, they did an album called In Flux that like had actual like literal collaborations between these artists track by track and i was looking through their music and they actually have another companion album that came out like mere days ago actually that's called the miyajima ep and this is a companion album to in flux that is basically a bunch of like cool experimental stuff and cutting room floor tracks from uh the recordings of in flux awesome so this is like if you like in flux this is like additional material that they felt like didn't fit into the influx album proper, but like was still cool additional like results from those sessions and, yeah. and recordings. So uh, that's the Mia Jamie EP, a companion to influx from Brave Wave at store.bravewave.net with the coupon code video games. Preferred underscore. So yeah, that we they prefer know it that, it's, you, that it is two words. I mean, if you guys really want to turn this into a voting situation, they might be tracking <laughs> it. But it, but know that the underscore is there to imply two words, the correct Video games. Video games. We're back. Oh, we're back. Uh, God, we're back. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty back. Feeling back? Mm hmm. Chris, you played that video game. Yeah, it's called Fract OSC. Is that F R A C T? F R A C T, yes. You can get it on Steam. It's about is it a serious game about fracking. God damn it. We know it's about fracking. 
it's about I don't actually know no, I don't think anything it's about, about this video game. <laughs> I don't think it's about, it's about about fracking. We both asked Chris if it was about fracking right now. You can set your drinking water on fire, Chris. <laughs> That's your main power in the game. <laughs> is it about fractals? It is. Is not. it about fractions? Is uh, it frog fractions? It's frog fractions to fract OSC. Yes. I no. backed Frog Fractions Man, too on Kickstarter. Oh, did you? I'm excited frog for Frog Fractions, fractions too? too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Frog Fractions Wait, did we ever talk about... We, we should talk about... We talked about Frog Fractions. We talked about... A, no, not Frog Fractions 2. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So Fract is a... It's hard to describe. Um, it kind of feels to me like what Mist might be if it were made with lo-fi indie sensibilities and took place like inside a synthesizer um that is an impossible to picture pitch <laughs> it's i pictured you pitching that like to a publisher right then <laughs> in just a sea of dumbfounded faces yeah right yeah <laughs> just shuffled papers sure. and <clears throat> yeah and that yeah. yeah okay um okay i'll try to explain it more concretely but it's hard so you basically just walk around <laughs> A world, like you walk around a world that's very abstract visually. That's the one of the things that I'm actually having a challenge with. Yeah, is that the world is like just crazy geometric shapes and like nuts, nutso colors, and like you know, it's it's just all about um, feel looking alien. But then you encounter puzzles in the world that are just like part of the geometry. There are sort of sliding puzzles and like puzzles where you connect beams of light, you know, pointing different directions and, and all kinds of different things. Um, and then as you complete these puzzles, um, like the world is, is emitting synthesized sounds from a lot of components in the world. And so things will like flash, you know, to a beat like, visually. And that will also emit um, like synth tones and they will combine into what is effectively the musical soundtrack of the game. Um, and so it feels like you're inside this so huge it's a more literal synthesizer of, apparatus. Because Portal 2 kind of did that, but it was more, they were just layering multi-track stuff where like when the laser beams connect, yeah. another oh, layer would come in. Whereas I mean, this is actually like the tones form the actual, actual harmonies of what's happening? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not super dissimilar to Portal 2. It's just that the in that respect, it's just that the entire world is constructed like that. And it's it's the entire soundtrack to the game. That's crazy. I mean, the soundtrack is, is like any in a very abstract way diegetic yeah kind of there yeah. are there are definitely like ongoing parts of the soundtrack that are like maybe not strictly literally coming from one specific part of the world but all the stuff that is coming from the world layers on top of it so seamlessly that it mm -hmm. feels like it's yeah. all just coming from the world and you can walk to parts of the world that are not close enough to these emitters that the game is nearly silent that's really cool which is interesting like it's cool as you, one of the ways you can tell if you're close to something meaningful or important is when you start hearing music man i would love to make a game with all like like diegetic music that was completely but it was not an abstract setting yeah like something too. about let's, let's talk about that <laughs> game <laughs> two wanna, game two spoiler right now yeah, i really would like to do something like <laughs> buy this one so we can make um, that one i would love it but uh yeah. anyway yeah no i totally agree with you and um the the abstract part of it is what I'm having having trouble with here. There are also puzzles that are much more literally about synthesis, like ones where you essentially operate like a very simple step sequencer to like you like just using your mouse, you press um, little boxes that if anyone's used a step sequencer, you'll know what this means. But if you haven't, it's hard to explain. You're essentially just defining like on a timeline when the musical notes are going to happen mm -hmm. and like that. Those puzzles to me feel very trial and error. It's kind of like speaks to my overall challenge with the game, which is that I kind of feel like most of the time I'm just kind of wandering around, not really sure what to do. And then I'll kind of stumble onto a puzzle and just kind of like push through it. Yeah. And then it's like when you solve the puzzle, it's amazing because it, it like everything explodes into this incredible musical kind of just extravaganza. And the puzzles aren't, themselves aren't particularly difficult. And I don't really think you need to be in any way need to be a musician to solve them, which is one of the things that's frustrating to me because the puzzles feel so straightforward really once you find them, but the world in general is so vague and unhelpful and like, but I'm not really sure why, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I'm not really sure what that's saying or like what it's for, which would be fine if I didn't feel so lost in it all the time. But I don't feel like mm -hmm. me being lost is part of the, 
experience that I'm getting out of it. It's not yeah. like a, you know. Did you play um, uh, Unbroken, Unfinished Swan? Uh, I played it like IGF build of that years ago. Yeah. Like yeah. that game is completely about that. Yeah. Where it's like you are in this all white space. Right. And there's a couple signifiers of where you should yeah. go and what you should yeah. be doing. And the act of being in that space starts to produce the aha moments. It right. makes it concrete. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, that game is that about, really works. That game's about that game. sort of creating, uh, like the visual elements where there yeah. were none. Like if you totally don't know what this sense. game is, you should check it out. It's on the PlayStation Store, but yeah, it's like one. It's cool. First person sh- shooter, but you like shoot ink. You yeah. shoot like balls of like, paint or something. Yeah, you shoot ink, ink yeah. and you're able to like you start in these you all like white spaces the world. and you reveal the world. Yeah. yeah. So it's I totally cool. I totally agree with you. Like yeah. the the lack of initial clarity is what that game's actually and about. And that game is really abstract. Yeah. Whereas in this game, sometimes it's cool, I guess, but a lot of the times. It just feels like I'm in a world that has too much empty space in it and and not enough because you can just fall down the world like you can just walk over the wrong geometry and just fall into the abyss and it just respawns you. And, and it just, doesn't feel core to the no, it just like feels emotional experience it's of just the game. Like, yeah. Oh, whoops, you just went the wrong way. You died. Start like again. But there's e. no like what? Like E.T. Like, I fell down a well all the time. Right? <laughs> and I, like, but I'm not really sure why it makes me like I'm like, am I supposed to be trying to push the boundaries of where I can be exploring. Am I not supposed to be right. like, which would be okay, except that when I get the answer wrong, I'm just wasting a lot of time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not revealing anything to me. I'm just going the wrong way. Right, you don't learn from this your is mistake. dumb, but yeah. like, is the respawn experience like conducive to that? Like, sort in, like of. something like, like to, it will respawn you to like, like in like a more boy. relevant place, which then sometimes makes me want to just kill myself so that the game will take me to a place Death that the game seems system. more important, which to me feels like the wrong I had that experience navigation ex- experience. You know what? what? I had that experience in Daisy. I talked about it on oh, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Kill me. <laughs> so I don't know, but I don't want to be too down on it because it is it is the case that when I experience, like when you actually make real progress, it is so satisfying, and like that feeling of the music coming out of the world and like you feeding it back and like re like making it build up more, especially the ones where you like have a direct influence on what the layers are. It's so cool. And it does make me want to explore that kind of territory more like in a game, in a different kind of game as well. Right? Like this is the sort of completely abstract version. It would be super interesting to try it in a different kind of game. And like, I'm glad this game exists. And another interesting thing about it is as you solve these puzzles, you start to unlock just straight up synthesizer components that you can just use yourself in the like studio room. If you just exit out of the like single player game, you go to this just studio room and you can just dick around Fuck, with step cool. sequencers and stuff and just make music. If you want, you can just stand around like in the, in a 3d environment, like a first person thing you're interfacing with it the same way you do in the game. It's just, there's no puzzle. That's just a bunch of synthesizer parts. Hmm, that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's cool. And like, I, I feel like I, this game? Um, I can't, I, it's a small team of, of like three people, I think. I can't, I can't remember what they're called. It's on Steam, yeah. And I respect this game a lot. I, I wish that some of the, I, I wish it kind of respected my time a little bit more, I guess. Like one of the challenges I've had with playing games recently, one of the reasons I've like, I have this like Spelunky comfort food is that it's, it's such a known quantity for me. Like I just know that it's never going to take me longer than a certain amount of time. When I think about loading up. I keep playing Hearthstone. Yeah, right. So. When I like, for example, Dark Souls two came out recently and I'm like, oh, I know I'd really like that. But then I start thinking about the last Souls game that I got into in a big way, which was Demon Souls, which I loved, you know, the first one. And I were just I remember how much of just a mental commitment you have to make to get yourself to a point. Like you just have to those games, you just have to commit to a thing that I find like psychologically difficult to commit to right now and like it's diffract is different because it's not like unforgiving in the same way those games are but it's still like i think about okay how am i going to use this next like hour that i have okay i could load up fract there's an entirely plausible chance i am just going to walk around for like 25 minutes before i accomplish anything and I'm, i'm i'm it's very probable that i will not really get anything out of those 25 minutes and like it's like 9 p.m i just got home like is that really what I want to do right now? And it sucks that that's how I have to think about it, mm-hmm. but it kind of is. Like, it's a really hard mental block for me to get over. I'm like, I could load up Spelunky. I know 
that probably no more than 40 minutes from now, but probably a lot less than that, I'm just going to be done and I will have had a satisfying experience that's, com- that's complete or I will have died in a hilarious way in four minutes and I'm fine with that. Like I'm just totally fine with it. Um, it's, w- it's a weird place to be in with mm-hmm. games. Games are so much different than other things in that respect. Like even linear games are so not like can be so nonlinear in terms of how yeah. much time you can actually expect them to consume on any given moment. And I'm not really sure what, sure what to do about that for, my, it's funny for myself. Like, the, for the right game, it just, it'll attach, right? And then yeah. you don't really no, no, totally, of care course. about any yeah. of that stuff. Cause you're like, it's like a good book, you know? Yeah. Well, for sure. And I just haven't played something like that in a while. I know. I just, I, maybe I that's, that's just, I think the, it just might be a little weary from like, you know, sometimes you play something and you're like, that's fucking why. Yes. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just how it goes. Right. There's, yeah. yeah. You know, but I'm and I think sure. so much of it is in like really like small detail stuff too. Yeah. Right. Cause like I haven't played fract. Right. Yeah. But like I had no problem keeping myself motivated through gone home, mm-hmm. but nothing about that was like pushing me forward other than just yeah all the little details. The scale also, of that game was so the, small yeah, that you scale, need you to find right, something new right. pretty often. Yeah. Like gone home. I'm even just the like walking in the front door. You're like, Oh, this is a house. I, as a human being, even if this is a big house, yeah. I have a decent sense of like what it means to be inside a house and what that scale suggests. Whereas in Fract, I'm just like, oh my god, like how do I know that the next thing isn't just going to be? Man, if because <laughs> home... Fract also, this is the thing. Fract also has this weird waypoint system where you can like walk into a like kind of conveyor booth and click an icon, and it will kind of send you flying through the air to another one of these little waypoints. And I just don't know how to read it at all. It's like a bunch of green and purple spheres and like a weird hand thing. And so I'm like, I'll click one and it'll take me to a place I've already been. And I'm like, how would I know this is the place I was going to end up by just clicking that random circle? Like things like that kind mm-hmm. of make me annoyed at the game because right, right, I'm right. like, this feels like it's trying to save me time, but it's not because every time I make a decision, I'm just guessing. And if I guessed wrong, I'm just signing up for another weird trip through the air right. that yeah. isn't going to help me. Knowing what you do, knowing what an action is going to actually like, knowing the result of an action you're about to take is an important thing. Yeah, unless the point of it is to delight and surprise you, and then, but that's sure. not what's going on here, right? Like, this right. is supposed no. to be a movement mechanic. Um, I don't think it's supposed to be like a wacky surprise to take you to a puzzle you've already solved before. So, um, maybe to some people it's actually quite obvious, and maybe I'm sure. As is always the case, there's people listening to this podcast screaming into their head like, headset like, "Obviously, you know, means click this. the one that's purple that looks like this, and obviously that means you've completed it before." And like, I don't, I just can't. It's just, right. I just have no idea. Anyway, games are weird. Yep. Would you guys mind if we took a second weird break, during which point I will helicopter to the northwest? Oh, you're going to Portland? Yes. <laughs> this weird break can be the long... Oh, we, oh, we don't have to talk about Mad Men. You guys got to talk about Mad Men. Okay, we'll come back and talk about Mad Men. Yeah, you got it. All right. Video games by Jake. Video games. See you, man. Reader mail next week. Write us at questions at lthumbs.net. Hey, Sean. Welcome back. Where's Jake? Uh, Jake is on his way to Portland. I was supposed to go to Portland, too. But I've been traveling <laughs> He's leaving much. you behind. <laughs> Uh, the end of fucking Mad Men. Yeah, you know why I like it. And so, oh, we're talking about the end of this episode of Mad Men because it was a thin week on Idle Thumbs this week. So, if you don't want to hear about that, the podcast is this effectively was the Mad, this was the Mad Men episode called Field Trip. Yeah, this is effectively over for you though if April you are, if you don't care. It's episode three of season seven. Yeah, um, the current season of Mad Men on AMC, the television channel. Oh, what was fucking great about the end of Mad Men this week was it was the first time where I learned something new about Dawn. Interesting. What do you mean by that? I was okay. So at the end of the episode, quick recap, um, Dawn hasn't been able to work at Sterling Cooper for like they fired him or they put him on indefinite leave uh, at the end of season six. Right. And it's effectively been almost feels like six months maybe Mm -hmm. since he's been gone. Yeah. And then uh, Roger sort of just invites him back on a lark in the middle well, of the cause, night. Because Don shows up at his Because Don shows up at his house and says, oh, come back. It's time for you to come back to work. It doesn't tell yeah. anybody. And then there's a big internal fallout about what I thought we actually fired this guy. Yeah. And then Roger doesn't agree with that. They get in a partner's argument. 
and then um, well they also kind of determine or like one of the things that tips the tide is like it's actually going to be really expensive to fire this guy because we have to buy him out of his partnership agreement right we give up his nda he goes and works for someone else yeah it turns into this big nightmare if they actually fire him yeah so they make him an offer that is effectively sets him up to fail that says you will what was it is like you can't be alone with a client you can't be alone with a client you can you own- have you can when with a client you have to stick to the script as approved by the other partners there's no drinking in the office they point out yeah um like, and your boss is this fucking shit your boss bag. is lou this guy who's like, like they've established as a real director. as yeah. a real bonehead yeah and you see as they're listing these things off i internally i'm just going like i'm writing the script for like well fuck all y'all like i expect my check for my buyout yeah. like i'm writing the script mm-hmm. for like what i would say or what don would probably have or what said. don's In gonna say is like one through five yeah exactly right and he considers the offer for a solid two count and then just says okay and that's the end of the episode yeah i love that also there's oh. a slow there's a slow push the camera slowly pushes up into don as he's which made me even more convinced he was going to start something because they were framing it in a very dramatic way right and then it just collapses and he just says okay and it cuts well they've been setting this to up that, like jimmy hendrix like, track which yeah. you didn't fucking get to hear yeah well now i have to yeah. go back and listen to the real version yeah. the paid for version uh yeah it was like I learned how insecure and just sort of like a mess. I thought that something about the Hershey's incident at the end of season six, maybe like got some of that out of him, mm-hmm. but like they're just doubling down on him just being this completely damaged, insecure mess. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. I didn't. I was not big on episode one of season seven. Yeah, you mentioned. But now yeah. I'm back. Yeah, back. Does this recontextualize your objection to episode one? Because here, explain what you didn't like about episode one. I just thought it was. I just didn't. I just thought it was just not well directed. Oh, okay. I just thought it was. It felt like they were. It, it felt like they were just playing. I don't like it when shows play into the cultural like digestion of their own show. Right. I didn't like it when they cut to Don Draper. And they had that baseline. And they had like a like baseline, playing. like yeah. bow, it's yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. here. Yeah. No, no. I agree. So I agree yeah. with you totally in that res- in that respect. Um, especially what you're saying about like them sort of implicitly referencing the cultural cachet that is built up around the like myth of Don Draper, right? Right. Like, that I yeah is like when they start framing shots to look like the opening credits. Or yeah, something. like that that stuff is is, yeah. is lame. But it is interesting to me the contrast between that in reintroduction of Don and what Don actually is in this season. Like, I find that contrast mm-hmm. kind of interesting because he's so not that character. Well, they do a good he's job. He's capable of, like, acting yeah. like that character in the way he was once was. Yeah. Or he tries to be. Like, this episode, he keeps getting mad at every. Like, this episode, he, like, especially for the first, like, two-thirds of it, he would, like, he would get mad at Don, like, his secretary Don, I mean, or former secretary yeah. or whatever, like, when she wasn't attending him enough because she has other shit to do in her job. Um, like he would, you know, he, he started having his, like one of his classic self-righteous blowups at Megan. Like he's constantly being self-righteous with women, women is in his life, regardless of who's at fault. Like he's really good at being that like, like condescending fucking guy. And he tried to do that numerous times in this episode and it just never really worked. Like, you know, like Megan was just, wasn't having any of it. Don secretary, Don just kind of was exasperatedly like, like I have other things to do. Like she wasn't sassing him, but like right. she, she definitely was not just like kowtowing. Like, right. and that I think was an interesting, he comes back into the office and everyone, he, there's an aura around him, but it's not the aura that usually surrounds him. You know what I well, mean? When he comes it's, back it's, into the office, it's like, he's like marked. Exa- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But before that, they also, they, I don't know. I think the show like steps him in and out of that pretty gracefully. Like, mm-hmm. He gets hit on twice, like overtly, in the episode by like. Uh, yeah, that was weird. I didn't know what to make a make of the one in the restaurant. I so what I think is interesting about just, like, it comes up to is him. because yeah. I thought the, so. This, he's getting an offer from another agency, mm-hmm. effectively, and in the middle of it, a woman comes up to him and just basically throws herself at yeah. him and says, "Here's my room number. Goodbye." Yeah. yeah. What I think was good about it is it shows that his 
insecurities and in, in his mania about his failures at Sterling Cooper are so entwined with his this perception of himself that like this other perfect like that a reasonable per- person should take the buyout and go take that other that other job and like a new girl and a new job and all the things that Don of season right. one, two, three, so four would want yeah. were all represented in that one scene. I understand so that. I didn't think it was weird no, no. to me. Yeah. Well, those are two different things. I right. understand it dramatically. Mm-hmm. But why did Purely you know? fictionally, yeah. it seemed like a little beyond. Oh, I see. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Just, you just like, thought it was a little ham-fisted. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that – it seems uh, so I feel the show on. does that a lot. But it does do a lot. so but well that you that most of the generally time Generally speaking, but I didn't buy it that time. Yeah. It felt so dreamlike to me. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't – but like without any suggestion that anything was actually happening outside of outside of normal. Well, especially because the show wanders into dream very deftly like two or three times every season so i thought when he was going back to sterling cooper actually because they kept cutting to him like having an anxiety attack before going to the office yeah and him walking through the office so yeah. interchangeably yeah, like oh maybe totally. he doesn't even go I, all i mean yeah. is that the entire existence of that female character felt to me like nothing more than as you say that dramatic purpose of like right. establishing this like two-pronged other alternative that one past version of Don would have taken but now does not mm-hmm. but like it i buy the other offer for, i mean it makes total sense like he's they sell I the entire that, yeah. build up to the other offer but like literally just like super attractive woman out of nowhere in a way more intense way than is usually right how those are introduced in this show like i didn't buy it i thought that was cheap yeah the show does that so much it's so funny and i think when i'm down on the show i'm like really sensitive to all those moments where I'm like oh yeah. come on oh come yeah. on yeah but uh yeah this show has a way of also just sort of like ensorcelling me to see like oh yeah to like pass i'm like that most of the time this was just this just there was like just a couple degrees too far and i just i thought it was a little cheap yeah it's a good season though i i'm really enjoying this it's really good a lot of people it's funny um the so i don't really like keep up with television news or criticism or anything Mm -hmm. like i'm totally not I don't I'm read not, about TV. I don't read, yeah, I don't read about the actual media. Exactly. And I don't that's do it. Like I don't read recaps. Stuff, yeah. I don't read like, yeah, you know, I'll follow people on Twitter who are TV people or anything. Um, but like Sarah follows some of those people and she was saying the big reaction she's been seeing this season is people just kind of describing it as boring. Which, oh, that's peculiar. Yeah. Which I can kind of buy. Ken like, Cosgrove needs to run over another foot. Right. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was thinking. Of, <gasps> it's crazy. To, sorry. No, no, it just no. occurred to me that like all like gross physical trauma that has happened in this history of the show, Cosgrove has been the nucleus of it. <laughs> it co- he gets I, shot I, in the I face. Cosgrove he gets shot in the face, yeah. and he runs eye? over that. Yeah. He runs over that yeah. person's foot with yeah. the the John Deere tractor. Yeah, or the the mower. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, what if that's an on? Yeah. Also, like the one cheerful guy basically in this entire episode of this show. <laughs> like, oh, Cosgrove. Yeah. yeah. Well, Don comes back. He's the only like. Everyone has like a complex reaction except for him. And he's like, hey, Don, check out my kid. <laughs> Calling him Kenny or whatever the fuck Eddie. they were. Eddie, right. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the Borat, like the, that, like at least what I understand to be like what I've heard secondhand to be the reaction to the season I thought was really interesting because to me it just kind of means it's just what Mad Men is without the – without the kind of plot of intrigue or like some, right. you know what I mean? Like, but like, the, I, I remember uh, Mad Men is only the stuff that is, this is right now. I always look back and I'm like, Oh yeah, that was cheesy. I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah when's you going to find <laughs> out about sleeping with whatever? That's cheesy. Right. Like yeah, the yeah. sort of like, I think the plot of intrigue you're talking about is usually infidelity. You know well, I mean? or the like setting up the new client uh, or, well, no, no or setting like, up the new agency and all that. Oh, shit yeah, was yeah, like yeah. crazy, like dramatics like well theatrics. i mean when they got chevy like that was all like mm-hmm. all that stuff but yeah. like i don't ever feel like that's what mad men is like i think season five was the one that also got called i don't think it's what it but, is but right. i think but it's I funny think, to me that that's the criticism yeah is what yeah, I'm yeah, saying, yeah. no I no me too I, that way but i but, you, no no same here yeah. i was just it was like a, an interesting thing to observe because i was thinking about why someone might say that and i mean it's i think it's just that this season doesn't have it's not like the season where 
they're trying to do this or something. Right. Other, oh, it's like the one where Don is just finally kind of falling apart, I guess. But there's, but not even in a, not even in like a bombastic way. Right. Just He's in not a like quiet, checking into like Betty a quiet way. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But it's exactly what I like. It's exactly the stuff I like. I actually like about the show. Yeah, same. Is when it does things quietly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still have such a weird. I've never been able to really. Actually, no. I would say in the past three seasons, my like ability to digest Betty Draper's stories have been really challenged. I thought I this was a good tell if it's her. because January Jones. This is how she is, or this is how she I just plays don't think about that stuff Betty. Ever. I just have like, to react. To she's what's gotten on the so affected. Not... Like no, I no, I'm thinking the actress, like Betty Draper, feels so affected to me now mm-hmm. that I can't tell if it's a choice or not. Does that make sense? Like, I I know what you're saying, but I just don't think about that at all. I just say that what what is on the screen is what it is, and I don't think of it in terms. She's of, like, the one. What the I guess actress, I should say she's the one character that oftentimes in her, the way she just when she's on screen, I my suspension of disbelief starts oh. to get chipped away at. That doesn't that doesn't happen for me. Yeah. I feel like I understand. Like definitely, Fat Betty made me feel that way. Oh really? The fat suit was I really thought, bad. Uh, well, sure. <laughs> but um, I the. Her character, I think, is just a just a really tragic figure. Well, like, I think she's. Thing is I completely agree with you. Like she wants so badly for her life to be a certain way, mm-hmm. it already has not. Been, like right. it's already past the point. Well, I agree with you dramatically, and I agree she, with you. Can and want and all like, the execution except her, for the acting. Well, yeah. I just feel like she's trying to present. Like I feel like her character is trying to present in a certain way and she just can't keep up the facade as well as yeah. she thinks she is or like this episode was fascinating because she was so she had so much like poise and she kind of turned on the like folksy charm like when she needs it mm-hmm. but she just can't keep it going like she just can't quite keep it up like her son was so enraptured with her the entire time until the moment where it falls apart yeah. and like he just doesn't do the right thing and she just doesn't like I don't know. I feel like I've seen like that is I totally I feel like I buy her character and like I kind of just feel bad for her. But like I don't. Um, I always do in retrospect when I think about the episode, I enjoy it for all the reasons you're saying. Yeah. When literally when she's on screen, I'm like the reason I that doesn't just don't quite see like I don't know. It just I know doesn't you, land for me. No, that's totally fair. Yeah. I find that a lot of characters in that show feel affected to me and I just have accepted yeah. that as the style of the show. Yeah, that's a um, good point. Like a lot I don't feel like characters in Mad Men actually talk the way people do for real. It almost feels like a few shades closer to what like a stage play is or something yeah. to me than what sure. a television show is, which I'm just fine with. I just take it as the as the um as what the show is. I Betty Draper's character I think is her character itself, I think, is an actor within a fictional world of like kind of people putting oh. on airs. And so in that context, like she might just be a little more um, there just might be a little more of that affectation to her. But I buy it in the context of what I perceive her character to be, whether, you know, whether mm-hmm. or not that's what yeah, yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be or not. I don't know. That's just how I read it. But yeah. I don't know. I see that. Yeah. Anyway, join us next week when we talk about Mad Men episode four. <laughs> Sorry seven. about this. I'm not going to talk about Hearthstone. Do it next week. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Bye. Come back, Jake. <laughs> it's funny to me because it's like what a fourth grader would. I don't know what anything was. I knew one thing. Mario was better than Sonic. <laughs>